Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Thursday edition of the program. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. And it is Thursday, and things uh, went according to plan here this week, uh, which means that we got uh, my guy, longtime friend of myself, as well as the show, uh, Robbie D. Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director, is up here in studio. 808-296-1420 is the number to call and or text. Uh, if you have a question or comment, feel free to chime in. No guests on the docket here today. Uh, we are clearing the airspace uh, since we have Robbie D uh, in the house because there's a lot that we want to get to with him. First off, Rob, how are you doing, man? Doing good, man. It, it feels like Thursday. This is this is what my Thursdays are like, being with you. And uh, uh, when I don't make it, it didn't quite feel like a Thursday. Yeah, yeah. It was great how you were still able to find a way to sort of uh, contribute to the show anyway. Just via <laughs> yeah. text. It was it was good stuff. We had Billy Hall who was uh, sitting in uh, on Thursday. And, and yeah, thanks for, for tuning in and catching at least uh, some of it. And, and we still used you. We still used your contribution on the show. Yeah, man. I, I was stoked, that, you know, when I, I turned it on. And I was like, oh, I wonder who's uh, filling in. And it was Billy. <laughs> and I heard Billy the night before or the day before. And I was like, Hana Hull. <laughs> Hana Hull. There you go. Exactly. All right. We have Tanner Hayworth, who's working the board uh, as well. He's a bit of a uh, late sub, uh, and so he's making the adjustments. And it always strikes me as interesting. Uh, and it's it's cool to kind of see you, Rob, and you, Tanner. We're looking at Tanner through the monitor here. He's in the room adjacent to us. Uh, but you two will always stand out to me. Uh, as people who are cut from a certain cloth. And I think the uh, applicable word there is cloth because I've never seen two human beings uh, who attend, say, a University of Hawaii football practice or any other type of activity or event out in the blazing hot sun on a normal Honolulu day. Of course, the weather has been abnormal here lately. And I've never seen two human beings who wear more layers of clothing <laughs> in those situations than you do. It is amazing to me. Rob will be decked out in full-on jeans and shoes and long-sleeve shirt over another T-shirt. And then you see uh, Tanner when he shows up and it's like, wait, are you training for a fight? Like, what is going on? You look like you look like Rocky running up the uh, Philadelphia Museum stairs. Like, what's going on with you two very cold-blooded gentlemen? I don't know about Tanner, but I think it's a circulation issue for me. <laughs> Because even when I'm hot, I'm somehow cold. That's crazy. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's what brings the, the sweaters. At all. So are you cold right now, Kanoa? I'm freezing. You, I okay. am absolutely freezing right now. And okay, and you just choose not to wear a jacket. Well, I or just a sweater, I always <laughs> underestimate. I always underestimate. Uh, and but this is like a normal situation to feel cold. Like the AC is pumping yeah. in this studio, right? You can hang meat in here. I always just kind of forget to wear a jacket. I, I, I I've been trying to get more into the habit, but I'm cold. Well, when you sun's are, out, guns out. Well, you know? oh, yeah, you there you go. I mean, should I have even worn a yeah, shirt? I don't think so. So, uh, so but you're you're wearing, I think, very appropriate clothing here. It's radio, so let me describe it. You got your collared shirt underneath. Your very stylish cage. Went to hoodie rain jacket. By the way, uh, it is a light blue color. Just absolutely <laughs> looks exquisite. I would love to get one of those. Uh, it's like a QVC. A XL, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We only have three more in stock. So if you guys call in now, if you buy one, order, you get the next two free. <laughs> That's right. But wait, there's more <laughs> free. Uh, and then uh, Tanner's on the other side. He's got an undershirt under his Aloha shirt, which is a big time faux pas. If you talk to any old school Aloha shirt wearer uh, <laughs> here in these parts uh, of the islands, but uh, but you guys are. 
are appropriately dressed here. I feel like, okay, we're all on the same page here. We're supposed to feel a little chilly, and that's because of, of the, the, the AC and all that stuff. But then we go out in the sun, and all of a sudden, you two, I don't know what happens to you. I don't know how you guys aren't just drenched in sweat from head to toe. I don't know what's going on with you two. You obviously radiate heat in a way that normal human beings don't, <laughs> Rob. And with Tanner, I don't know. Maybe you're just like a glutton for punishment. Do you, do you just love to be like hot? Is that what it is, Tanner? It's more of a poor body image thing. Than <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're just looking for coverage? I've been a big guy my entire life. Jackets, black jackets do a lot for your body image. Oh, okay, that took a little bit of a detour. All right, okay, yeah, that's fair enough. You're looking to cover uh, up a little bit. I don't think you <laughs> need you to do I'm that, my man. <laughs> I don't think you need to do that, my man. You, I you, didn't know it was going that yeah, way. Yeah, all, all, the, all of a sudden, this has turned into a bit of a, a, a body-shaming <laughs> kind of uh, a warning, right? Where this is, you this look is great, Tanner. Cautionary tale. I think you look great, Tanner. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, more tank tops. Tank tops for Tanner. That's going to be the next campaign. All right, we have Robbie D here in the house. Speaking of campaigns, this is something that I want to push here, and I, I mentioned it on the air yesterday um, for a little bit, but uh, definitely want to push this uh, because Costas Theo Herides is in town. Uh, he was gracious enough to join us on the show yesterday uh, when Billy Hull was in the house. Uh, had a great interview over the phone with him. And then he showed up at the arena, right? Uh, Hawaii taking on Pepperdine last night. Uh, Hawaii continuing its unbeaten streak to start the year. They're 14-0. and 0. Uh, They set the home win streak record at 27 matches. Uh, they're still riding an overall match win streak. What is that now? 23, which is a, a nation high right now. They're the only unbeaten in NCAA Division One, Division Two men's volleyball. Uh, and they beat Pepperdine, right? Top 10 matchup uh, and they seem to sort of step game right you were kind of thinking like well they've been playing teams that aren't necessarily on the same level as some of the opponents they're about to see Pepperdine's been a little bit more battle tested what's this going to look like and Hawaii step game Jakob Tella came back into the lineup and uh, man that guy is is just amazing but Costas was nice enough to then sit down with us during the Spectrum Sports broadcast and uh, and do another interview and so you know we've, we've been pulling him in all kinds of directions here in his uh, first trip back to the islands in some time but it just dawned on me Right, like they won a national championship in 2002, and I want to get your take here on this, Rob, because I imagine that we're going to be thinking about this uh, along very similar terms. Uh, but that 2002 team uh, went underwent a, a little bit of speaking of shaming, a little bit of a, of a shaming process, right? When the NCAA stripped Hawaii of that title, and you had that really kind of odd press conference uh, where uh, you had. Um, uh, uh, Mike Wilton, who was not actually present, he was speaking uh, remotely, and of course, back in those days, it's not like we had like a Zoom set yeah, up. It was, it was a speaker just box. a speaker box on yeah. the table, and I remember like even the newscast, we were like showing close-ups of the speaker box yeah. with subtitles of what Mike Wilton was was saying uh, in response to some of the questions that were coming his way, and and like just some of the the things that were said never ever sat well with me uh, when he was saying stuff like you know it, it kind of rolling the bus a little bit over Costas, who was the guy who was implicated in the reason why the NCAA said there were violations. He played basically in a what was a semi-pro type league. It was a club league, but you had pros in there. Uh, that happens all the time. It certainly happens all the time now, but it even happened all the time then if you look at the NCAA Summer League where you have all of these college and high school players who are playing with guys who were either former or current pros. Uh, it's just that the NCAA didn't sanction that club league. Of course, that was still kind of, I think, uh, early on in 
the process, the NCAA was still trying to get accustomed to how to deal with international players. And so that's evolved a lot here over the last two decades. Uh, but it, there was a bit of a shaming there. And I think Costas, you can almost tell there's still a, a hesitancy, a, a reticence regarding talking about that. I think that's still a sore spot. I think that's part of the reason why he and maybe some other members of that team haven't necessarily been so out there, haven't been coming back uh, in, in the, the frequency that you would think for a team that was in the time so celebrated. So I think we got to write that. I think we have to correct that. Costas was back, and my God, it was good to talk to him. And my goodness, it was good to see him. And the way he was received in that arena and the, 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 the way he talks about this place, I mean, it was so genuine. He was getting emotional just talking about what Hawaii meant to him in his life, in his upbringing, in his maturity, in his transition to his professional career. He's now a big success in the finance world. He's got a family. And so this is what we do. The 20-year anniversary of 2002 was last year, so it's 21 years now. Maybe we want to wait till 25, right? Sort of, uh, you know, one of those key uh, years and, and key anniversary dates, or we can do it whenever. But I'm thinking one of these years, what we got to do is we got to bring that 2002 team back in its entirety, as many guys that can uh, uh, attend as possible, the coaches, the players, everybody. And you know what we do is we honor that team. And you know what we do is we hang up that banner, all right? The banner that got stripped. And hey, look, the NCAA does not recognize that national championship. It has been left vacant, okay? So there's nobody that actually occupies it. And that's okay. Who cares if the NCAA recognizes it or not? The two national championship banners that are currently hanging in the rafters uh, that were won the last two years, they have the big NCAA logo in the middle. Just don't have the logo. Just put a big UH logo and just put 2002 Men's Volleyball National championship boom another banner we celebrate that 2002 team it becomes this community-wide ho'oponopono to be able to finally put all of the weirdness and controversy of that year behind us and we can get back to celebrating the enriched history of volleyball on the men's side uh, here in hawaii absolutely where do i sign <laughs> because i'm all aboard this train choo choo man because uh, absolutely that 2002 team needs to be celebrated the way that it should be. And even when you look at just the beauty of it and, and you know, the athletic poetry of Costas Theoharides coming back for this season where you have two of the can't-miss, have-to-watch, worth-the-price-of-admission players being Spiros Hakas and Demetrius Mouklias from Greece. And it just reminds you of how that 2002 team allowed Hawaii to believe that it was possible. No matter what happened after that, right? No matter what happened with the banner, what mm -hmm. happened with the NCAA's uh, viewing of the national championship, but everyone saw it. Everyone saw them be national champions and saw that it was because of this little loophole. It wasn't this crazy thing, players getting paid or or you're, you're buying off refs or any... I mean, it wasn't something as crazy Or nefarious, as right? That. Yeah. yeah. It was this silly thing that was happening already in other sports, as you mentioned, like the NCAA Basketball Summer League. It was happening within the sport, but it was just this one that didn't have enough understanding from the NCAA because it was happening overseas that led to this. And But you can't take away what we all saw. And I don't know if the national championships and Charlie Wade constructing that teams even possible without that 2002 team showing that it is possible, right? Especially because if you look at it, this is a UH men's volleyball program that never won an MPSF title. They won that national title showing that Hawaii can yeah. be on top. 
And it was the evolution of the sport. When you watch Cole Hoagland and Spiros <laughs> and some of those smashes oh, that man. we saw last night, that I'm hoping that everybody is just remembering this and soaking this all up because this is elite yeah. volleyball that's taking place right now. When you go back, Tony Ching was the first to, to be doing that kind of height and that kind of straight down boom onto the Terraflex. Um, it allows the evolution of men's volleyball. And so that team needs to be celebrated. Absolutely. I want to see Tony Ching. I want to see Kostas Theoharides and Eyal Zamet and those guys back on the card. Uh, Vernon Podluski. Kimo Tuye. Kimo Tuye. Yeah, Delano, Delano Thomas. Delano right? Thomas. Those yeah. are, I mean, those are guys. Jose Delgado. That at that time, in 2002, I mean, it was no, there was no bigger. There, there, there was, I mean, they were stars here in the state of Hawaii. And it's crazy to me that all these years later, we don't see them. We don't see them yeah. celebrated. We don't see them at events. We don't see them trotted around by the university. And I think a big part is because there wasn't that one big moment to tell everyone, hey, guys, it's okay. We can celebrate this team. So that needs to happen. No, and, and I think that there was a little PTSD on the part of the volleyball community in the aftermath of that. Uh, you remember for years, uh, despite UH men's volleyball being fairly competitive, and in fact very competitive in certain uh, iterations, uh, the crowds dwindled. Oh, I mean, it was like a yeah. ghost town in that arena yeah. uh, it, for, for years uh, because I think there was just a lot of faith that was lost, right? A lot of people that were sort of hurt, uh, maybe felt um, betrayed by the program and again a lot of it was just based also on the reaction i felt like if hawaii had defended costas a little bit more and defended their stance and say hey, look this wasn't any kind of secret thing this was out there the information was, of who he played for was in his website bio yeah it was in the media guy yes. saying that he played for this team Yes. So, like, there wasn't anything nefarious from that standpoint. I felt like if Hawaii had just stood firm a little bit more, then maybe the rest of the community could have felt uh, a little bit more emboldened uh, to, to maybe think, hey, the NCAA is just doing some stupid NCAA stuff, and let's not totally lose faith in the program. But that didn't happen, and I think people did lose faith in the program. And so those are sort of those those walls, those those granite walls that Charlie Wade, to his credit, over the 14 years that he's been head coach, has just slowly chipped away and, and, and slowly fought his way through until he completely knocked that thing down and look where they are now, uh, as, as great as they have ever been. These are the heights that we are experiencing now of this program's history in real time we get to sort of enjoy it as it's happening uh, but I do think that more credit has to be given to some of those past teams to some of the trailblazers Costa Seoharides who is from Greece his town uh, half hour away from Soufli Greece where Demetrius Muklias grew up Demetrius like idolizes Costa Seoharides they went to lunch the other day and uh, Demi was telling us before the match uh, how he was like nervous like he could barely speak because he was so excited to be meeting this guy who he considers like a hero of his in Costas Theoharides. I'm like, this is a fantastic story. And I just feel like those kinds of connections should be celebrated more and, and, and maybe promoted more. And I think that, that this is maybe a time now, now that we have knocked down those walls and, and we have sort of fought back to like, all right, supremacy, Hawaii can once again put on display that they don't have to be because of their geography or anything else second to anybody. Hawaii can be the standard. They can be the best. And now that we can, now that we have that vibe about us, now that we're living in that moment again, maybe we can 
fully apply closure to some of the past discretions and discrepancies. And I think that would go a long way, in my opinion, 2002 to celebrate that squad. And not to take this conversation elsewhere from that 2002 men's volleyball team, but maybe it could serve as a spark too, because I think that the University of Hawaii as a whole has done a very not good job of celebrating championships and celebrating teams that have accomplished things. When you look at the softball stadium, Bob Coolin does a great job. Conference championships on the wall, right? That's not the case for the for the baseball team, right? Rich Hill this past year was able to create the mural that he did, Les Murakami, Colton Wong, Derek Tatsuno, and the 1980 College World Series team, which absolutely should be celebrated. But what about all the conference titles that this program has accumulated over the years, whether it be Les Murakami or Mike Trapasso? That needs to be on the outfield wall. Yeah, the yeah. list of years of, of winning a championship so that when you walk into the stadium, even when my 11-year-old son walks into the stadium, he can see that, hey, there's been success here at the University of Hawaii. The football team at Aloha Stadium, zero. there was zero representation of mm-hmm. the conference titles won, of the bowl games won, which... I can understand because it wasn't the University of Hawaii's facility. But now you're at the Clarence T.C. Ching yeah. Athletics Complex, and there is plaques of or wall hangings of conference championships, but it's at the grass practice field that fans don't go to yeah, yeah. regularly. Like, right? Put it somewhere where there's foot put traffic. Put it where yeah. you can walk past yeah, these yeah. things, and you can see like, oh, wow, 1992, unreal. Yeah, oh, wow, 1999, 2007, 2010. Oh, this is pretty cool. Oh, 2019 West Division champions. That's pretty cool. And then bowl game championships or whatever it is. You have two jerseys that are retired in Colt Brennan and Tommy Ku'ulu Kukui, number 15, number 32. No representation at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex of those numbers, right? I mean, you look at the the Coliseum at USC where their giant uh, jerseys are, are in the seats that aren't being occupied. I mean, you could do the same thing with the sheds that are in the corners of the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex right now that are just a faded green and a faded white. Why don't you repaint those and make one of them a giant number 32, the other one a number 15, and you're you're celebrating these retired numbers that are in your program? That's the whole point of retiring the numbers, not just so that someone else doesn't wear it. It's so that you can celebrate it and yeah. it's not being celebrated and so you can go down the line of other sports too i mean the the stand sheriff center has the women's final uh, ncaa championship appearances they have the national championship banners but i mean this is a program that has countless conference titles whether it's the big west That's or western one, athletic yeah. conference that those rafters could be packed yeah. you, to the point when you walk in you're like oh my gosh this is a celebrated program but instead you just have like Six banners up there. It makes it seem like this program hasn't accomplished very much in their time here in arena sports where that couldn't be further from the case. And that's by design. There have been past administrators who have felt like if you did put all of the conference banners or some kind of representation of the conference titles that it would be too busy. And it's like, oh, well, you, you can design it in a way that maybe it looks a little bit uh, cleaner. Um, but I'm so with you. Put all of that stuff yeah. up. Put it all out there on well, this Well, and it doesn't have to be every single conference title has its own banner. I mean, because the just, NCAA tournament appearances, correct. right? Correct. You, could do you could do something like Big that. Big West champions. Boom, 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 boom. The Western Athletic Conference championships, like, they're not going to be any more. So you can make one <laughs> banner that just has all the years fit in there and the numbers as big as yeah. it needs to be in order to fit or as small as it needs to be. The women's volleyball whack title banner would be much 
more numbers on it than let's say the men's basketball whack championship banner but you can get this done and and remind people how many great moments and how many great years this program has had yeah i i, I think there's something that that should be done there I, I, there is a a reason i think especially now you know now that we're sort of in a, a stage of of some levels of uncertainty right and and there is some concern for the direction of the program on the football side what's happening with the stadium financially speaking how healthy and how viable is this athletic program uh, as a whole uh, because we're in that state i think it's all the more important to remind people like hey look there's something special that has been here we have had reason to celebrate as a community to Together, the accomplishments of this athletics program in the various sports. I think there's there's definitely a call. Uh, there's there's definitely a need for people to be reminded of that, right? And, and maybe being able to somehow fend off any feelings of apathy or feelings of indifference that people might be experiencing just because of the uncertainty that we're talking about, just because of how, you know, things have played out uh, over years in terms of, of the UH and community relationship and that kind of stuff. Uh, I think there is reason to do that. In fact, I think that it is important for Hawaii uh, to do that because there have been some great moments and I think we've all had reason to celebrate. And I think you saw at that Aloha Stadium event, and you attended it, Rob, the amount of people that showed up. And yeah, it was for Aloha Stadium as a facility, and there were a lot of other memories. It wasn't just University of Hawaii sporting events that took place there, but the vast majority of the people that attended were people that experienced Aloha Stadium through the prism of being UH fans. And uh, we do have to take a break, but I do want to get your thoughts on that. And I think because we both thought, that's a reminder, there are a lot of people here that still care about that institution and still care about that athlete program and we need to uh, be mindful of trying to give them reason to maintain the desire to be a fan to be connected with the program to take pride in the program uh, i think now more important than ever we'll get into that i want to talk about that uh, that aloha to aloha stadium event uh, on saturday uh, we'll do that with rob demello robbie d khon2 sports director who's joining us here on this edition of let's talk sports All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Uh, it's funny, Tanner Hayworth, who's uh, working the board today, uh, always cues us in with uh, just the uh, announcement that the mics are hot. Uh, and it's just funny, as we were talking about the beginning of the show, coming from Tanner uh, with Rob also here. The mics are hot, but you two never are. <laughs> um, all right, so tomorrow we were talking men's volleyball. Uh, tomorrow, of course, the Hanaho rematch with Pepperdine. Uh, they're going to be presented, Hawaii will be, with their national championship rings from 2022. First 3,000 through the door. Also going to get these commemorative coins. I got one here. Uh, Charlie wow. Wade uh, busted one out uh, for me last night. And, uh, yeah, the, the top side of the coin uh, sort of represents the top side facade of the championship rings that they're getting and then the back side sort of has the same design as the side engraving of the ring these things are pretty sweet first 3,000 through the doors uh, can get them so um Definitely get on down there. It should be pretty cool. It's also going to be a heck of a match because you know mm -hmm. Pepperdine's going to be coming out looking for a little bit of payback. Uh, there, that was some pretty high-level volleyball for a good portion of that match last night. Uh, all right, so we did want to sort of transition because um, 
this was a pretty special event on Saturday. I, I wasn't able to go. I was preparing for the UH basketball game, their senior night. Uh, that was on ESPN2. It was a bit of an early start time as well. Um, so I wanted to get down to the Aloha for Aloha Stadium event. Uh, I know thousands of people got there, uh, including yourself, Rob. Uh, for some of us who weren't able to go, you know, I saw pictures and, and, and got a lot of uh, stories and, and details from people who said it was a pretty fantastic thing. Uh, what was your impression? Uh, what did you experience down there? It was awesome. It was a it was a trip down memory lane for sure. And, and I didn't go in a work capacity. I, I went with my family, my wife, and my three kids. And it was awesome because my daughter turns 14 here on Monday. Um, my son is 11 and then I have uh, one that's about to be four. And, and so my four-year-old just ran around the field. I mean, he was having the time of his life just just running on the turf. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the two older ones asked a lot of questions because there was a lot of memorabilia. There's a lot of pictures. There's a, a lot going on as far as things that they wouldn't have experienced um, that I experienced when I was a kid. And, and there's so many questions were being asked and even just about like, oh, what, what's this gold helmet? And explaining that, oh, before the rainbow helmet, there's this this gold helmet with a, with a green stripe and, you know, just little things like that. And looking at all the monster truck rallies and the concerts and pictures of that, they had videos playing of some of the old moments. Um, it was fantastic. And it was one of those things that I am so glad that not only I went, but I went with my family and experienced that. And, um, there were a lot of things for purchase. Uh, you could buy turf, you could buy the seats. And so I actually bought the two seats that my dad and I, attended every uh football game at in the exact seat number and row and everything and and so uh i'll be taking that home here pretty soon and um, i'm super excited about that and and especially because and this isn't just my experience i mean i'm sure there's a lot uh, of local people here where my grandfather got season tickets when the stadium opened in 1975 and had those seats and then um, when he moved to California, when I was just a toddler, my dad took them over and my dad and I went and sat in those seats. And my dad had those seats even when I started working and I was no longer sitting with him. My dad continued to go to those games and, and until 2019 when people weren't allowed in the stadium anymore. And so nobody's ever had those seats but my family. And so uh, it, it's beautiful to to be able to to keep that in the family now forever and um, and because that's a very special place that when I think of my childhood, so many memories come from Aloha Stadium. And it's not just UH football, as you were mentioning, uh, you know, those monster truck shows that I used to go to with my dad and even a monster truck show that I took uh, my son and my dad to. I think it was in 2018. It was one of the the, the last uh, non-football events that was held there. And we went to that together. And that was a cool experience. And so. There, there's just so many things. And, you know, I'm talking to my sister, who's not a sports fan. Uh, we were talking about Aloha Stadium the other day, and she was bringing up her memories. And it's so interesting how a non-sports fan that didn't attend a lot of sporting events, how many things she went to at Aloha Stadium, whether it be concerts or the swap meet and graduations. And so everybody here in the state of Hawaii over time has had so many great memories. And so it was, it was just beautiful to be able to celebrate the stadium the way that they did especially because there was no proper goodbye. We didn't know when we were attending yeah. the 2019 Hawaii Bowl against BYU that that was going to be the last time fans would watch yeah. the University of Hawaii football team play in that stadium. Um, and retrospectively, when we think about it, I mean, there was no better game to end. I mean, a victory over BYU yeah, that was poetic, to yeah. win the bowl game. Is the last time UH played in front of fans there? That's pretty unreal. All right, Rob, putting you on the spot here. 
you can uh, jump in on this too, Tanner, if you have any opinions on this. I know you're watching the NFL Combine, but top three Aloha Stadium moments of all time. You're not going to give your me your opinion. You're not going to give me a heads up on this. Go. This is- <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. I can filibuster for a, a, a little bit here. Uh, I've given this a, a, some thought. Uh, talked uh, Certainly, I, I, I'm not sure if I, I'll, I'm ready to put it like in an in exact order, but certainly one of the top three moments for me. This is just your own personal yeah. experience. Not great moments, but your personal. Your personal, yeah. your okay. personal gotcha. top three. Gotcha. Aloha Stadium memories or moments. One of mine certainly was uh, being in the stadium, and I was. Uh, it was you know one of the the kind of uh, earlier. Um, highlights, I guess, of, of my play-by-play announcing career uh, was in 2007 when Andrew Manley hit Edison Dumlau for the game-winning touchdown against St. Louis for Lelehua in the state championship game. Uh, it was a fantastic moment. Uh, it was an upset victory in many ways. Um, I was a, a young play-by, well, younger play-by-play announcer. Uh, it wasn't my finest play-by-play moment. I think my voice cracked actually <laughs> on the touchdown pass. Uh, but you know what? That kind of stuff happens. But it was just such a special moment. I just remember the atmosphere uh, was so great and there were so many fantastic games uh, that I had the privilege of, of being able to announce and just kind of the atmosphere in there certainly uh, that was one of them I was in there as a fan in 1989 when Hawaii finally broke through and beat BYU and that one was I mean you, you talk about a catharsis I mean you talk about this this feeling like Hawaii finally was able to overcome that was it like that was the celebration and you know that was also also one of uh, my dad's uh, classic calls, right, was, uh, you know, if you ask if could this be the year, you better believe this is the year. And um, and, and so that memory would, would certainly stand out uh, as well. Um, again, from our professional vantage point, I think it gives us opportunities to kind of see things uh, somewhat uniquely. And so I remember another one would be 1999. And I'm standing just outside the corner of the end zone uh, when Dan Robinson throws the touchdown pass to Craig Stutzman in overtime against Fresno State, the game that would seal Hawaii uh, a share of the Western Athletic Conference championship. And they would ultimately get the stop on the defensive possession. Uh, I want to say it was Joe Correa who Mm -hmm. made the the game ceiling sack. Uh, But I remember just standing right there when Dan Robinson's pass is like spiraling right towards me and my camera guy. And Craig Stutzman slides in and makes the catch. And he looks up into the stands and it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, they did it. Like, these guys did it. And en route to completing the greatest turnaround at that time in the history of, of NCAA football. Uh, and so those would be, from a sports standpoint, my top three, I think. I, it, I, in the order, I'd probably have to go BYU game one. Uh, I, would, I would go Fresno State two, and then I would go Andrew Manley, Lelehua St. Louis number three. Wow, I, I like that. And you talking about that brings back so many memories. And even the Craig Stutzman, it just he hits the football against his yeah, helmet, yeah. I remember. I mean, th- yeah, those are just awesome. Uh, you know, okay, so number one for me is probably the 1988 season opener against Iowa. And so in 88, I'm six years old. Uh, In fact, just turned six years old. But I remember that game. That was the game that made me want to go to more games. And that was from that moment on, I knew the players' names. I knew what was happening. I knew that you know this was University of Hawaii football team representing us right and and um 
uh, that kind of changed everything. From that moment forward, that's when I started to ask questions. That's when I started to try to learn more about the program. And then from there as a kid, I mean, it ended up becoming one of the most important things in my life was UH football as a child growing up here in Hawaii. And so I, you know, I'll never forget that drive home with my dad and how happy he was and listening to the radio and and so everything kind of took off from there and so i i'm gonna have to put that at number one uh number two i i referenced it it's uh my oldest my older son and dad and i going to that monster truck show um and it was special because my dad used to take me to the monster trucks all the time i was i was a huge monster truck fan growing up and so I don't think we ever missed one. Those mud bogs and, you know, Robbie Knievel doing his stunts and all these things that they would have every single year and we would never miss them. And so fast forward all these years later and at that time I'm in my late 30s and I have a son who's interested in this and my dad and, and just going to that event, just the three of us uh, was pretty special. And, uh, uh, so that's going to be up there. And then um, the last one is the last game I attended as a fan was the BYU game in 2001 because I started working with you and Robert oh, okay. uh, just weeks later at KITV. And from that moment, I never uh, you know, went to a game again, a, a UH football game again, just sitting in the stands and, and enjoying it, I don't think. And, and so um, it, that was just so much fun. I remember I, at the time I was working at Safeway, Enchanted Lake. And so I went with my the guys that I worked with, my buddies over there, Micah and Chad, and uh, it was a day game, I remember. So, like, instead of tailgating, like, it was, like, a breakfast. <laughs> I, I want to say kickoff was at, like, noon or 1 uh-huh. o'clock. It was super early. And so our tailgating was in the morning and, and just watching that 72-45. I mean, Chad Owens having his breakout and Nick Rolovich having his game, in the last game of Ashley Lalee. Uh, that was a really, really fun day. That and was an so awesome I'm, I'm going to remember that one forever yeah, for sure. And, and similarly to the 89 BYU memory for me was it was a blowout. So yeah. it was like, it, it, you know, it didn't, it wasn't this, 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 there wasn't this tension over the course of four quarters. Like, I hope they somehow pull it off and, like, you know, a miraculous finish. It was even more cathartic because of the fact that it was a beatdown. Yeah. And so the celebration could start early. And then the celebration lasted for, like, an entire half of football. And it was like, oh, we're going to do this. Like, there's no doubt. Yeah. It is party time at Aloha Stadium. And you know how it was in that place. Every time it was rocking, it felt like it was going to crumble to the ground. And God forbid you would walk across one of those bridges that was connecting the sections it was like death defying because of how much it vibrated and swayed uh with with uh, some of some of that it it was crazy you know it's funny is i so that 2001 game uh, i I went with my safeway buddies but then also my best friend uh sione uh uh, the late sione tamale and uh, what's funny is that his family uh he's related to reno mahe is his cousin. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so Reno Mahi <laughs> was playing for BYU. And so we go to this game and we're having the time of our life and it's awesome. We're UH fans and we're cheering for them. But then after the game, we had to go meet up with his family and it was like a BYU get together. And it was just wild how like the mood <laughs> would change so drastically. We're just like, yeah, this is the greatest game ever. And Hey man, how's hey, always you, next? Hey, year. you had a good game. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Tanner. Uh, what are your three favorite memories? Uh, obviously, they will have taken place uh, at the earliest 2018. Yeah, well, mine is <laughs> well, mine is going to be uh, very different because I'm a child, and, <laughs> and, and, and as a kid, I never really followed Hawaii football. I wasn't a big football kid until I was in sixth grade. Okay, that's like 2012. 
to make you feel terrible. Oh right? my god! No, 2011. Technically, 2010 and 2011. Oh, that's I, that's a lot better. Yeah, but I went to Punahou. I had to do sixth grade again. It's is the only oh, way for me to wow, get in. <laughs> you're a really um. We're learning a lot about you. You're exposing you. a lot of uh, well, sort no, of. I was ins- late born. I was <laughs> late born. Okay, okay. I would have graduated when I was 17. <laughs> so it that it's in reference to this. So my number one moment. A lot still, of self reflection <laughs> from Tanner here. My in number show. one moment still got to be the uh, the 2000 state championships for Punahou with oh, Manti. Okay. Yeah. Manti I think that's the one I guess always got to go with. Um, another yeah. another really distinct memory uh, that I have is still the one game where Dakota Torres uh, hurled a guy for a touchdown that had to be called back because hurdles aren't allowed. Oh. And then the very next play, he did it again. <laughs> so That's classic. So Sounds like Dakota. Yeah. That's my number two. And with number three, I got to go with Hawaii BYU. The uh the final bout in Aloha Stadium. Yeah. Oh okay. You know the one moment I still remember is what I think it was a uh, Donovan Dalton just UFOing Zach Wilson in at the one yard. <laughs> I line. think uh, Eugene Ford was in on That's that right. as well. That was fantastic. What a great moment that was. That's a good call. All right, outside looking in honorable mention. I think I put Bruno Mars concert up there. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Would be up there. I went to both of those. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, there there are a few that are WWF on the at the time. Hulk Hogan oh, fought yeah. Ric Flair at Aloha Stadium, which was super cool <laughs> at the time. I remember. <laughs> Where would you put uh, Akebono for K one fighting? Hey, that was hey, that was awesome. It was an too. event. Yeah, yeah. Bj Penn headlined that That's card, right. and uh, yeah, I mean, and that was years and years before the the whole bring the UFC to Hawaii, which now you can put the finally <laughs> you can put that to bed that it's never going to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to take a break. Good stuff. Uh, trip down memory lane here for the three of us um, and Tanner. Like what? A the trip heck, down man? the last week Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Right, What's well, your favorite event? Uh, the Aloha from Aloha Stadium event. <laughs> My favorite one is the, the last one that happened because that's the uh, only one I was old enough to remember. All right, we'll be back after this. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Tanner continues to age shame us here uh, with uh, some of the anecdotes about uh, putting his age into perspective. We were talking about uh, Tom Brady during the break. Uh, we got Rob DeMello of Cage Went 2 Sports, by the way, uh, here in studio with me, Kanoa Leahy. Tanner Hayworth is working the board. We were talking about Tom Brady. He's been in talks. I mentioned this the other day on the show as well. He's in talks with Netflix about doing a roast, being the subject of a roast. Uh, I think the, the working title is Greatest Roast of All Time. And I kind of made the comment uh, the other day, like, how do you roast Tom Brady? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, just, I don't know. I don't really know exactly uh, how you do that. Like, uh, hey, uh, Tom, your eyes are so blue that I feel like I'm swimming in an ocean of wonderfulness when I see you. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly how to do no, that. No, you do have a good one, though. Okay, I came up with one during yeah. the break. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, Tom Brady's career lasted so long, his first Super Bowl title was with the old England Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I like it. Hey. I mean, you got to do age jokes. That's yeah, the only thing. I mean, that's the do. only thing. Because you can't really, yeah, do anything. I mean, you can be like, uh, like, oh, man, how long does it take you to go through TSA with all those rings? Oh, that must suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, sorry, your supermodel wife uh, decided to leave you. I guess you're just going to have to find another supermodel <laughs> yeah. or something. But um, um, yeah, you just got to just stick with the age jokes. Tom Brady's so old, uh, he rose to fame at the same time as the Beatles, not the band, the life form. <laughs> 
Uh, but what made us really you depressed. You should be on this uh, roast there, buddy. <laughs> this is my tryout here. Yeah. Um, but what really depressed us was Tanner's like, you know what's funny during the break? He's like, you know what's funny is Tom Brady's career is my age. <laughs> He's like, because he started in 99, his career, right? His NFL career. That's when I was born. And it's like, oh, that. Um, I like that your Tanner impression is like <laughs> kind of like Bill and Ted's yeah. Excellent Adventure meets. Yeah. It was, it's nowhere near <laughs> a good Tanner Hayworth. I, I'm, I, it's, I'm still working on that. But yeah, Tanner, thanks for, uh, thanks for putting that. I'm in also front of working us. on a good Tanner Hayworth. <laughs> Hey, dude, we got we got the roasters. Yeah, all, we got all yeah, the roasters I got a roast. right here. Then I got a roast. You got um, a roast joke? I'm so young that I'm probably gonna follow a restraining order with Tom Brady. I'm I'm as old as his son. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, you got any jokes? You no, want to I'm kind of terrified after that one. To be honest. <laughs> oh man, I want to go shower, Tanner. We love you, man. All right. Um, we're going to take another break. That was a quick segment there because uh, we went so long, vala-owing in the last segment. But uh, we're going to take a break, and then we come, when we come back, we'll finish up. We went you- so long, it was like Tom Brady's <laughs> career. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see if we can think of more Tom Brady jokes. We also have our uh, best and worst uh, coming up. Do you have a best and worst, Rob? Uh, we'll see. Rob, I love everything, Rob DeMello. I don't have a worst because I don't look at anything negatively. That glass is not empty. It is just a full ways almost full. (laughs) All right, we'll take a break. Oh, we're having a good time in here on a Thursday. You should hear the show during the breaks. <laughs> yeah. It is so much better. It is so much more entertaining. Uh, Tanner uh, is uh, is coming in with some uh, some funny reenactments of some of the radio spots and radio jingles. We are going to do that segment one day. Is complete this radio jingle and or even just like radio script because I think we've heard some of these commercials so much that uh, that yeah we could probably recite a few of them. Yeah, I'm down. I'm I'm so down. For this. <laughs> I think that heat-expanding stuff is true. Get a smoking hot in here. <laughs> it's hard to find nowadays. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got another Tom Brady joke. Tom Brady's career is so old, even Leonardo DiCaprio wouldn't date it. <laughs> hey. All right. Um, do you have a best and worst, Rob? Uh, I have two bests. Does <laughs> <laughs> What that face? I don't know why. I wish people could see the face he just gave me. Because because it's best and worst. I know. And I like how you're trying to barter. Like, all right, well, if I give you three bests, and how about an okay? (laughs) Anyway. All right. What's your best? My number one best is the PacWest Championship Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament being held here in Honolulu today, Friday, Saturday, at McCabe Gym, hosted by Shamanad. Go check it out. There is Shamanad and UH Hilo on the men's side as the Hawaii representation that made the tournament. On the women's side, it is HPU. So get down there. It, the, the tickets are affordable, and it's good basketball all day long in through the evening. So go check it out. Men's and Women's Basketball, Pacific West Conference. Uh, go support those Hawaii teams. That's my first. That's your first best. Best. So do you want me to do a 
best now, and then we'll go back to best. No, I'll just give you my other best so that you can finish with your best and worst. Okay, my second best is the rule changes in Major League Baseball. The pitch clock. Whoa! And and the elimination of shift. Because I've been watching spring training games. You know how much Mm -hmm. I love watching baseball. And for the first time in years, I see middle infielders diving for balls that are just out of their reach. And it's just making baseball so much better. I'm tired of someone hitting a line drive straight up the middle and a second baseman is standing right there like it's a can of corn. I love seeing the infielders, especially the middle infielders, having to track these balls. I think it's an awesome adjustment and the pitch clock makes the game move so much faster. Anyone who's against it, I just don't understand why you would be against this because the game is moving to a pace like it's like watching softball, which is awesome to watch. There you go. The rule changes. Well, that's my good. You must absolutely Best. just be swimming in joy and Elon from the fact that Wandy Peralta, the uh, reliever for the Yankees mm-hmm. against the Pirates, uh, he pitched a 20 second strikeout. It took 20 seconds for him to throw three pitches and strike out a batter. It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. It's like yeah. watching Cohen Sakamoto pitch. Don't you <laughs> yeah. think? Well, okay. So I, I'm still trying to get adjusted. You know, like it, it, the, the the change is dramatic, and it kind of at times somewhat sort is of it? feels like an like an overcorrection. And and I just you know I don't like seeing games end on those kinds of calls. I don't necessarily anticipate that happening a bunch in the regular season. I think the umpires are trying to make sure that they deliver a message like don't do this. Make sure you abide by the rules. And I get it. And I, I'm 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 on board with faster games for sure. I'm just still feeling it out. It still feels a little new to me. I'm I'm by no way, by no means a baseball purist, but it still feels like, wow, this is a lot really quick. That That's what okay. it feels like to me. But you are a basketball purist. Does it break your heart every time a shot clock violation happens? Does it does it just make you feel like, oh, I can't believe that we didn't get to see the end of that possession. No, this is but so- if it ends a game, it would be a little bit uh, but strange. But that's possible. That's no, possible. No, not really because the, the shot clock expiring is is like a full uh, segment, whereas a batter getting rung up on a, th- a third strike because he wasn't turned with his two eyeballs at the pitcher with eight seconds left in the pitch clock feels a little different. That I'll tell you what, though. If, if, we're, if we're fast-forwarding here to the end of the regular season or the postseason and people are getting rung up for this, that's on them. I mean, that that is like, if you can't evolve that much, then, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you don't need 20 seconds in between pitches to adjust your batter's glove and, and kick well, the like dirt I said, around. I think, and, I think they're trying to send the message. I think they're just trying to say, don't don't mess with this stuff. And I, I do think that there will be a little bit, bit more leeway, potentially. Like, maybe the eight seconds will be like a seven-second, six-second thing, and the umpire will let a few things slide. That will probably happen more in the regular season. But I think the message is being delivered to the players. Like, we have to take this stuff seriously. I, I do like the shorter games. I do like the pace of play picking up. Again, I'm just still in the process. It's in every other sport. Uh, I mean, delay a game in football, shot clock in basketball. These are all things that we're used to, so it doesn't bother us. We're going to feel the same way about baseball here moving forward. Sure, but, you know, baseball was a different sport. It's always been a different sport. It's always been a sport that's unique because of the lack of a clock. Um and and so that's that's again it just feels different that's all i'm saying i'm sure as time goes on just like the players themselves the adjustment will be made and we're going to uh, get right into that's it that's too right. best for you right okay, there okay well you know what then i got two worse <laughs> all right the uh, you-
the UH football schedule uh, was officially announced here today, and my worst is be uh, is the fact that Hawaii is once again having to go to Wyoming late in the season. That's right, uh, November eighteenth. In Laramie, another late season into the cold, the depths of the cold of Laramie, Wyoming. Uh, that has happened a few too many times, I think, here in recent years uh, for Hawaii. But home games against New Mexico State, San Diego State, San Jose State, Air Force, and Colorado State to close the regular season. But my worst is just the Wyoming trip because that's a tough one. Which All right. one that I always wanted to make? Okay. I want to make that trip. My, uh, my other worst is uh, I just got a text message, a couple messages from a few people who were listening to our show on Spectrum Cable and there's some kind of compression issue everyone's saying we sound like chipmunks <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, we already don't necessarily have yeah, like the full say. baritone it's not like uh, we're a couple of james earl joneses uh, chatting it up i wonder here. what i sound like <laughs> <laughs> if you sound like a chipmunk i would sound like jeez <laughs> all right well uh, we'll get off the air with that so long everybody robbie d thanks for being here tanner thanks for doing your thing uh hope you guys are able to uh cool out and uh, and stay at a, a nice comfortable temperature uh, throughout the rest of the day. We'll see you tomorrow everybody. Let's Alvin! talk sports. <laughs>